0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Um, for those of you who have not met me, I'm Randy Neighbors. And uh, as your pastor told you, um, Robert Blevins and I work for Mission to North America. Um, Robert has an actual full-time job as director of community development for Southwood uh, PCA Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And that is where the next uh, M&A Mercy Conference is going to be. Uh, What's the date? The 29th and 30th of March. 29th and 30th of March. So if you're interested in gathering with other deacons and other mercy workers and learning some skills, that would be a great conference uh, to go to. And yesterday we heard your pastor say, you're just flush with cash uh, to send people to such conferences. So I would say you need to grab hold of that while the cash is still there. Uh, Because having been a pastor... I know cash does not last long, so um, it's interesting that you just did the passing of the peace this year. I um, one of the things I like to do when I walk and work out is uh, I've been listening to these uh, great courses um, from Audible, and um, one of them was on early church history, and it was talking about the passing of the peace was actually a time uh, for you to repent. And reconcile with people you were mad at so you could come and take communion. And uh, uh, for a lot of churches, the passing of the peace is is fellowship time. But we don't often connect it to the sacrament. Um, So I just thought you might want to know that. (laughs) Not that any of you have attitudes against anybody else in the church. But uh, that does happen from time to time. If you have a Bible, we're going to preach today from... The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23. The 23rd chapter of Matthew, uh, beginning at the 23rd verse. So let me pray, and then we'll read the word. Oh, Holy Father, thank you for the time we have had this morning to worship you. Uh, Thank you for the prayers the reading of Scripture, the singing of praises. We love you, Lord, and we know that that's only possible because you loved us first. Thank you for all your goodness, your mercy to us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and anoint me to preach the word of God, that Jesus Christ would be exalted, magnified, and not man, and that, Holy Spirit, you would do a work of grace, Through your word in our hearts, please change our lives that we might be more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, (coughs) straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside, they're full of greed, self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Mm. Jesus is angry. So you have to apologize. I'm just quoting him. So I didn't come here to call you hypocrites. I just came to let Jesus call you hypocrites. No, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to be true to the word here. But please understand in this context, Jesus is angry. This is one of those times when he is really letting the Pharisees and the scribes have it. He is telling them the truth about themselves. And he begins... Uh, with this uh, figure of speech, Uh, this analogy, uh, a metaphor, if you will. Now, I don't know if any of you saw the movie Guardians of the Galaxy, but there's a scene in that movie uh, where the the real big, strong, powerful, ugly guy, he's standing there, and somebody says, well, it's over your head. And he immediately looks up. And they go, no, 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 It's, it's a figure of speech, you know. And, it, 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 you know, it's an analogy. He said, I, I don't get that. And there are some people, it might just pass you by. But did you see the analogy Jesus uses here? He says, you are straining out gnats and swallowing a camel. And it's, it's as it were a Jesus joke. Jesus uses the camel several times uh, in his teaching. You remember the other time he used it? where he said it's easier uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to heaven. And a camel was a, a, a ready, living illustration in Jesus' day and where he lived. They were all over the place. They, they were the means of transportation. They were, the mean, you know, they were the 18-wheeler of Jesus' day. And so everywhere you went on a road, you're going to see camels. And so he uses this big, funny-looking animal as a very perfect example of getting things wrong. You can swallow a camel while you're actually trying to strain out a gnat. Now, you all know what gnats are, right? You have them in Oregon. You know, Every once in a while in Tennessee, you're out walking, and you will actually see a huge cloud of them. And you just hope that you don't have to walk through them Uh, because, you know, they they get in everything and they're just really little tiny things. And Jesus is using this idea that there are big things that are important and they're little things. And comparatively, they're not that important. And you can focus your whole religion on little stuff. And miss the big stuff. Amen. Okay, now I'm going to practice this again. When I say Amen, you say Amen. Very good. Hallelujah. Okay, Uh, you know the church that I pastored is is a PCA church, but it it is a mixed church. A lot of black folks there, and uh, so they talk to me. you know, when I'm preaching and I and white people can be trained. I've learned that. And uh, so you, you, you can learn to be responsive, which, by the way, is a lot more biblical. Um, Hebrews wrote the Bible and, and biblical worship is a lot more Hebrew than it is northern European. And, uh, you know, for us uh, white folks, we we like to be very cognitive and contained, except for football, uh, but uh, give him some praise this morning. <laughs> now, I've got, I got several points that I, that I want to make. And I've just made the first one uh, about what an analogy is and what the point that Jesus is making. Um, but please see what he's talking about here. He tells uh, the Pharisees and the scribes, you know, you're really good at keeping parts of the law. And this part of the law, you've kind of got down. You've you, you got it to perfection. You tithe. Now, for most of us pastors, this is the point in which we kind of wish Jesus, you know, be careful about criticizing people about tithing. We need it, you know. And, you know, every once in a while when I was a pastor, the, the elders would uh, be a little concerned about the budget. And so they'd say, Pastor, uh, we need some sermons on tithing. You know, they want me to get out and let the people have it. And, of course, I knew from experience that we get more money in the church when we preach grace than we preach law. Amen. You know, so, Jesus, you know, the Scripture says God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, when you're in love with Jesus Christ and you, and you have given your whole life to Him, it's not hard for you to give uh, for His work. It's a joy to you. Uh, but when it comes down to... This is obligation, and if you don't, this God is mad at you. That's a very negative way uh, of trying to approach this whole idea of money. But the Pharisees, they were very strict about this. Now, can you imagine what Jesus is saying? You tithe mint, dill, cumin. Have any of you tithed dill? You know, some of the ladies know what I mean, unless you're a man as a cook. But, you know, these are little, little tiny seeds. And, and, you know, can you counting off 10 of them and taking one and giving it to God? Man. You know, paying attention to little things and not big things can cause you trouble. One of the worst days in my life uh, as a pastor was the day that I was up to preach and somebody ran into the church And basically said somebody had been killed on the way to church. And what had happened was we had a a family, uh, an 18-year-old girl just recently had her driver's license. And she had her mother and her sisters with her in the car. They were driving. And she had her Bible on her lap. And it fell off her lap. And in that one moment, she looked down to get it and ran into a telephone pole and she was killed. That's absolutely one of the worst days of my pastoral experience, having to rush to the hospital right from church, and she was dead, and several of her sisters were almost dead, and thank God they all lived, but, except uh, for Melissa, but uh, she took her eyes off the road just one moment, just one moment, cared about a little thing, And forgot the big thing. And it's crucial that you don't take your eyes off the big thing. Because bad stuff happens to you. Now I just want you to understand, a religion that is built on straining out gnats is a really nasty religion. When you are so focused on all the rules and all the do's and the don'ts and you miss the big things, you miss the joy of our faith. Jesus says, look, that's little stuff. Now, now you, you forgot the weightier things, the big things of the law. What are they, he says? Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are the really important things about our faith. And how can you be a Christian without understanding that? Unfortunately, it's possible. You know, here's the reality. You and I could never become a Christian without justice and without mercy. It, justice and mercy and faithfulness, they're the foundation of everything we are as believers in Jesus Christ. Uh, what, What do I mean by justice? You are a beneficiary that justice has been met at the cross of Jesus Christ. What does justice say? Justice says the soul that sins must die. That's justice. The wages of sin is death. That's justice. And how was it met? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He is the propitiation for our sins. All of the anger of God fell on him. The justice of God is satisfied. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, as the prophet Isaiah says. That's pretty cool. You and I cannot become Christians without the justice of God being satisfied. And it was satisfied because God had mercy on you. You cannot be a Christian unless you are a recipient of mercy. Amen? Amen. You, You don't deserve it. You do not deserve that the son of the living God should die in your place. He's perfect. He's sinless. Had no sin of his own. He didn't deserve to go to the cross. What he deserved was coronation. What he deserved uh, was exaltation. He should have come on the earth and the Jewish people especially should have received him. He should have come to the world that was made by him. And all the world should have received him and believed on him and said, you are the son of the living God. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and we praise you and we thank you. But that's not what happened. Came into the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, but his own received him not. That's what happened. He became ugly on the cross so that we might become beautiful. By being washed in his blood. And that happened by mercy. So whenever you hear these words, you ought to be glad about them. You ought to say, this is our religion. Justice has been kept. And I have received mercy. So, you know, sometimes we, you, we hear people talking about uh, social justice. And we hear, there's a big debate going on. Some of you may know this and may not know it, but there are theologians and pastors, they've been signing documents. And uh, one TV personality some time ago said, if they ever talk about social justice in your church, leave that church. Are you kidding me? There's never been justice without it being social. That's what justice is. It's either between you and God or you and other people. And you know why it's important? Because God says, I, the Lord, love justice. And I hate robbery and oppression. These are not coming from Karl Marx. These are not coming from communism. These are not coming from liberals. This is coming Out of the personality of God himself. This is his character. And this is your only hope. If God doesn't care about justice, you go to hell. If he doesn't satisfy it, you're doomed. If he is not merciful, you cannot be saved. And if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ... It's only because the mercy of God came upon you and opened your heart to believe and you received Jesus. Glory. And that is why Jesus is mad. He's mad at the Pharisees because they don't get it. You have made a, a caricature of religion instead of the real thing. Real religion ought to reflect the character of God. If God cares about justice, so should you. If God cares about mercy, so should you. If I am a God of mercy, so should you be merciful. Jesus said it several times. You can't miss it in the Gospels. Hey, where, haven't you heard this? I desired mercy and not sacrifice. You know what that mercy encompasses? It encompasses two really big, important things. One is, and it's the mercy that we often hear about in church, of course, is that God loves sinners. And he forgives. Oh, what an awesome truth. But it's also compassion. For those who are in trouble, like the story of the Good Samaritan, like, you know, people who are poor, people who are hungry, people who are naked, people who are sick or in prison. That's what Matthew 25 is all about. When he says, when you did this to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. God and Jesus have always taken the plight of the poor as if it were their own. He says to us in Proverbs, if you mock the poor, you mock me. Because they're made in my image. We have churches today that strain at gnats and swallow camels. It's almost as if we don't want a religion that's going to cost us anything in terms of taking in people that make us uncomfortable. You know, I, I, as I go around the country and I, I preach, I often ask churches this question. I, I brought it up this weekend in some of our sessions. You know, if, if now I know you're in a Seventh-day Adventist church, so this question may, you say, well, we don't care if the church burns down. But if, if your church burned down, would anybody know it was gone? In this whole community, would anybody care? You see, I I have the conviction that the Lord Jesus gave us the idea of the local church because he wanted us to be so tasty like salt and so illuminating like light that the people of the world would see our good deeds and give glory to God the Father that they would say, we need you. Now, look, the people of the world can often hate us because of our preaching of the cross, but they should never hate us because we're loving them. They should never assume that we are so self-focused that we don't care about them. Listen, you were brought to Jesus Christ to be one of God's heroes in the world. And that heroism may be very small. It it, it may be a drink of cold water in Jesus' name. It it may be a moment of kindness. It may be a stand, a radical stand to protect somebody whose whose life is threatened. It may be bringing food to somebody who's literally starving. It may be taking the the shirt off your back to, to clothe those who have nothing. That's the kind of sacrificial love that built our reputation as Christians in the early church. I'm just telling you, you need to get your reputation back. Our reputation should not be what we're angry about in terms of politics. Our reputation should not be that we're a self-centered, self-focused church, but that we are so amazed that god loved us unworthy sinners that for the rest of the, our lives we give our lives away you know i uh, i know this may sound weird but do you ever realize that this church is not about you the only reason you're saved and in this church is for those people who are not here yet who need to know Christ, who need to be loved in the name of Christ. Those are the people your life is supposed to be lived for. And you might say, well, Pastor, wait a minute. How about my discipleship? I I need to grow in Christ. I've got a lot of wounds. And this is what I will tell you. I will give you the same discipleship strategy Jesus had. Take up your cross and follow me. If you would seek to save your life, lose it. He would be great among you, should be least of all. This is a counterintuitive discipleship strategy. Jesus, what are you talking about? You're talking about giving up my whole life and following you and giving it away to other people? What's in it for me? And Jesus says, I am. I am for you. What's in it for you is relationship with me. What's in it for you is heaven. What's in it for you is glory. It's so opposite of of what the Pharisees thought. It's opposite of what the world thinks. Stop paying attention to stupid little things and getting mad over them and arguing about them and correcting other people about them and missing the really big stuff. That's what Jesus is saying. So that's how not to swallow a camel. You know, in real life, you say, oh, that's impossible. Maybe in cartoon world, you ever see a cartoon? You could actually swallow a camel in a cartoon. You know, it would get a cup and all of a sudden you get huge and big like this. Well, so use your cartoon imagination for a moment. We got churches swallowing camels. We got Christians swallowing camels. And that's not a good idea. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we can't be people of mercy or love or faithfulness or justice without your grace. And so we're asking for that. We're asking for more grace from you to be what we find it hard to be. Lord, it's hard. We confess today, it's hard for us to be merciful in our own house to people of our own family And, Lord, it's hard for us to be merciful to strangers. It's hard, Lord, unless you change us and make us more like Christ. So, Holy Spirit, would you shape us and conform us to the image of Jesus? Would you transform our minds, Lord, that we might be able to be a living sacrifice? Lord, help us not to miss the big stuff. Help us not to clean the outside and forget about the inside. And Lord, would you let, please let your blood be that cleansing agent in us. Holy Ghost, be that empowering agent within us, that people might see Christ in us and in our church. And we ask it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.